0: for tuning into Costumes and Coffee, a podcast where we have conversations with the artists who create the latest in fashion, costume design, and culture. Today I'm having coffee with Tiani Janais, fashion historian, archivist, and research consultant. Tiani, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Let's get started. What are you drinking this morning? Are Are you having a cup of coffee? I don't drink coffee. I'm a tea girl. Um,
1: hey. I'm, yeah, I made a blend of cinnamon, clove, honeysuckle, red clover,
0: and lemongrass. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay, <laughs> I'm not drinking coffee today either. I had a cup of coffee at like four o'clock yesterday afternoon, and when I tell you I got so much work done last night, but I have not gotten any sleep, so mm. I'm juicy this morning. I'm like straight green yeah, yeah. drink, drinks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: oh, we're both on a health kick today. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have a very interesting career, um, one that really like. Blends and is at the intersection of like costumes and fashion. Tell me more about what an archivist is and what you do.
1: Okay, so an
0: archivist
1: it basically manages, preserves, um, provides access, documents um, a collection of primary resources, and that varies um, through industry. So you can have um, an academic. Archivist, a museum archivist, a fashion archivist, which is myself. Um, And currently I work for Tom Brown. um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I manage all the runway samples um, once they've done their rounds press and editorials and such and market and all of that. Um, Yeah, so. Manage the runway samples, special collections such as collaborations that we do, uh, and Tom's personal. Art.
0: Wow, that's incredible! Tom Brown is an amazing brand. I just I love again the intersection of men's tailoring and women's clothing. Um, that just makes me happy. It, it's just a great place to be. It's, it feels warm to me, like <laughs> in the world of fashion, <laughs> it's my soft spot. Um, So describe your collection process or experience. How much, um, like, how do you determine what pieces are worth archiving?
1: Um, So for Tom Brown, um, they had a predetermined scope, but I'm also, in my role, working to help them expand it beyond um, garments and our props. So let's say Tom sketches, we would want to start archiving that because it provides a little bit more insight and context to the creative process and how things came about, whether um, it's true to the initial idea or there were changes along the way.
0: I'm so intrigued by what you do. That's incredible. So what path led you to this career path like what what was your journey? How did you decide like this is exactly what I wanna do?
1: Ooh, yeah. Um it was not a linear path at all. Um I always knew I wanted to be in fashion, like always, always, always. I just never knew in which capacity because I have like so many different passions and I I've been told I'm talented. So I I just never wanna feel like I'm Abandoning any of those talents. So um, initially, I wanted to be a fashion journalist, but um, blogging started to take over. So it just wasn't the same as like writing for WWD. And you know, physical issues of anything are just like not prioritized anymore. Kind of like becoming obsolete. Um, I wanted to be a fashion illustrator. Um,
0: the analog
1: way but um we went digital everything is adobe illustrator and cad and everything so yeah it kind of took the art out of it for me um yeah so after that like I still dabble in those things. Um, I still apply them to my work as well. Um, And in college, whenever we would have like projects and we needed to illustrate anything, like I'm a group member, I'll draw like y'all do it. You're
0: volunteering. (laughs)
1: Exactly, (laughs) yes. Um, And then I also wanted to be a buyer. Like I decided on that in senior year of high school based on what my previous notion of my previous idea of what in a body was when they, they used to go to the fashion shows, sit front row, and were like a lot more hands-on with the merchandise, and now like you are sitting at a computer, crunching data, and just pretty uh,
0: sedentary. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, so was, literally don't sit on, they don't sit front row and say like, Hey, I want to look number two of collection, you know, this spring summer collection. They don't do that anymore at all.
1: Um, I wouldn't say at all, but they definitely, uh, take more of a back seat to editors, um, and celebrities, um, just people who are more f- public facing
0: gotcha gotcha sorry to interrupt you (laughs) no 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 no
1: no. um that's a good question honestly um yeah buyers are more behind the scenes now um at the desk um yes very office oriented um but they do there are buyers who travel for sure it really depends on the brand that you work for and um where and fashion that brand sits. like a premium luxury brand or maybe um, just like um, a regular price brand like a Macy's or something if you're a buyer for Macy's there's not as much traveling as someone who's a buyer
0: for Saks you know right right and so after you decided like I don't want to well I don't want to go the buyer route then you came Mm -hmm. to the conclusion that you wanted to be an archivist or was there another what is there something else in your repertoire that you're like um so I was in I went to
1: college for So listen. Yeah. um, At my school, I was introduced to the archivist. Well, she actually um, taught my class like a research um, course, Um, just how to like thoroughly research. And she explained what her job was and how she deals with all the primary resources of the school. School school records are considered um, confidential restricted. So those don't like get access, but as far as like old yearbooks, um, the first year that the school was founded, um, a lot of foundational um, information regarding the founders of the school, um, how things changed throughout the decades. Like we found a, a memo announcing that all the students, I believe this was in the 50s, that they must wear hats and gloves um, or you were basically considered like underdressed. Fantastic.
0: And Now, now let me ask you this. Did they all have to wear the same hat and glove or could I rock my own? Like, could I bedazzle my gloves? Could I go with like a <laughs> full length glove <laughs> or did it all have to be uniform?
1: No, I don't think it had to be uniform, but just um, the, the decorum of the time. Like, think of the pillbox hats that Jackie O wore. Um, yeah, and the gloves. Like, it was just
0: um standard to be fully accessorized. I wouldn't be mad at a rule like that. Like, some people need a little, like, a, a kick up in the accessory. I
1: wouldn't be mad. Yeah. At that. That's really cool. Right.
0: Especially if your hair's not given that day, like, the hat helps. Easy. Yeah, I gotta wear a hat. So it's cool. <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> I love that I love that yes so um I I don't how did it happen oh yes um so I saw that my school was looking for a library assistant but I was like I know I want to be in the archive specifically I don't know like what it requires me to already have knowledge of but I'm just <laughs> And to see, like, the position isn't even a thing, like. but I'm just going to see if I can work my way into the archive. So I literally knocked on the library director's door and I told them I introduced myself and told them I was interested in working in the archives. And he was like, hey, OK, uh, give me a resume. And he passed it on to the archivist. And that's how I got my first archive job. Um, I created the position. And from there, I was just like, yeah, um, and the archives at that point have been abandoned for maybe like a year and a half, so um, archives a lot of the time become dumping grounds when they're unmanaged, um, people just offload things that um, they don't want anymore, but don't think that it should be thrown out. Um, and a lot a big part of an archivist's job is determining what is archival. And that depends on the institution, and what they prioritize, mm-hmm. and what they value. Um, so it's just like a lot of that initially. Like, is this even worth being in the arch?
0: yeah yeah wow that's a cool I love that you like charted your own path that you literally went and knocked on the door and you were like it's me (laughs) I'm your girl (laughs) hire me and you got the job and it's led to obviously a beautiful like successful career so that's really cool so when it comes to television and and film costumes that's my world um Mm -hmm we typically it's so bad how we pack up clothes. Like I have to be really honest. Like we literally put them in the, the garment bags, like the plastic ones. And we literally fold them up. I'm talking about head to toe. So hats will go in hat boxes. Shoes will go in shoe boxes, but You know, the accessories are put in Ziploc bags, the garments are thrown in, you know, just one a a grommet bag. And we box them up in a wardrobe box, and they literally either sit in storage or they're shipped off to the costume houses in LA and in New York, but they literally just sit there. And so a lot of times when I'm interviewing costume designers or when I'm talking to other costume designers, I'm like, how do you want your work to be viewed in retrospect? And they're like, Oh, I would love like a museum exhibit or a coffee table book. And I'm like, Well, we're not really packing the things to last that long. You know what I mean? Like for us wow. to outpack and actually pull those things for them to be put on mannequins to be shown at any museum, you know, in the world. And so mm-hmm. I would love to hear your advice since you work in that space on how we can better pack up garments or how we can better preserve garments. Cause these are like, these are a big deal. I look at like Viola Davis and Woman King. Like you definitely want those, like you want those, Yeah. Costumes. like those costumes are gonna be on display at some point in time. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear your expert advice on how we can like, you know, do better <laughs> towards the end of our, when we're wrapping up, how can we do it a little bit better?
1: Mm-hmm. Like for um, transport from place to place, like that's okay, but for long-term storage, not recommended. Um plastic is a huge no, no, stay away from plastic. Plastic is the enemy. Um it off gasses. Um and it just yeah, it off gases. It um expedite the deterioration of the materials especially if they're um, natural fibers um, so what people don't realize is there are a lot of like environmental factors that archivists have to consider as well as some basic history um, as far as the way that things react so adhesive you want to stay away from glue tape, none of that. Um, your best friend is tissue paper um, when you, say you have like a huge garment a huge gown and it has like sleeves, sleeve um, you will want to keep it as three-dimensional as possible so you want to stuff the sleeve um, like that's the number one thing that you could do especially for outerwear um, and fur Ugh, fur is just whole it's whole other ball game it's not easy to care for at all um i couldn't
0: even keep my i inherited two minks from my grandmother after she passed and i couldn't even keep those in my closet like i had to like find a special place to store those because you're right like Mm -hmm. very hard to store it's so hard um
1: temperature control as well um in consideration with the whole environmental factors temperature control and humidity is everything so you would want like ideal temperature is around like 60 65 degrees and the humidity is like 45 like 40 to like 50 percent but you really want to keep the humidity around 40.
0: That is so cool that you have that technical language. I feel like that those are things that we should know, especially when you said like tape and things like that and glue, a lot of times when we're on set and that collar won't stay down, instead of us like, you know, taking the time to put like a collar stay in, sometimes we have time for that, but in between takes, it's like, where's the top stick? Like, let me just top stick it. And a lot of times that stays mm-hmm. on the shirt or it stays on the garment and we don't take it off. So that's something to to be mindful of as well. Wow. Yes, um, especially if you're applying it directly on the garment.
1: Uh, I got like this really sculptural piece back um, that we loaned out um, and there's like a lot of flaps involved and I guess um, they tape all the flaps together so they don't move. But um, the tape was on there for so long that the adhesive like stuck to it, so it took me like a few hours to get um, to safely get it off, so that it's like back to its original condition. Wow. Um, because it's visible as well, and then it has its own texture, and the stickiness from the adhesive
0: attracts other fibers and stuff, so. This is all good stuff. This is all good stuff. So what projects at Tom Brown are you currently working on? Any special projects or what's been your favorite project so far?
1: Okay. um, The current project, I'm not sure if I can like speak on it so much, but it's like one of the biggest projects that I've worked on in my career. So I'm very excited about it. Um, It is definitely... Just challenging me and taking me where I've always wanted to be as an archivist, but at a much quicker rate. So it is yeah. stressful, yes, but I am grateful. I cannot complain.
0: I love it. You're in that school <laughs> of you're in that school of fashion, um girls and guys that I think is just on the come up. Like you guys are like already at a level where you're being noticed. But I just the future is gonna be so bright for you guys. Like when I look at like you and antoine and like there's just so much shelby like there's just so many other like y'all that new school but y'all have so much mm-hmm. knowledge like so i can't wait to see what you are working on that's going to be incredible um today Thank you so much today um, did, have you had a project that like you can share that you really enjoy working on
1: yes um i actually just last friday i interviewed the model deborah shaw um she's worked with yes legendary um, (laughs) yes (laughs) i am just like on cloud nine um i'm on the diversity and inclusion council at work um so it was like my major initiative like no we've worked with Deborah shaw in different capacities as well so she's um in our full lookbook and she's um appeared at our show our last couple of shows so it was like, yeah, I always wanted to do something with her because um, I actually met her back in 2019. Andre Leon Talley was doing a talk at FIT about a book by Robert Farer. He is a photographer who um, just always is backstage at the major fashion shows and stage, um, with John Galliano throughout his career. So Andre Leon Talley, um was speaking about John Galliano um, and just like so much history, so much knowledge, and then he brought Deborah Shaw on the stage. Um, and as I was leaving, I saw her um, just standing,
0: standing around, I guess, waiting for an
1: word or something, and I just want to, I had to come up with her and just sort of like, Thank you so much for your work and your contribution to the industry. Like you are one of a kind, like the girls who love that avant-garde, like just real artsy, like, cause I'm a McQueen stan. Like he is my introduction to fashion research. Yeah. in like an academic sense because like i really researched that man's work and she was a uh, muse to him yeah. he gave her her wedding dress so and we I didn't know that him. yes um and that was from his first collection that he did um as creative director at Givenchy. wow
0: wow yeah and so that is incredible that isn't when does that interview drop
1: so we released it internally but i want i want to see if there is a way that we can like get it publicly because it was it. it was very well received as well um and we spoke a lot about blackness in the fashion industry and my company is still uh growing as in the diversity aspect. So I feel like it's important for us who are already here, for the few that had been there before and it was only them and the people that we want to come.
0: Absolutely. Bridge those gaps for sure. Mm-hmm. And definitely, And for, I think so many times we're left out of the conversation, but we are the conversation so many times. So it's so good that you're there to say like, Hope, wait a minute. <laughs> like there." there I, let me connect the dots for you guys. We need more people yes. like in those positions. And
1: I couldn't believe that it just wasn't already a thought, honestly. So just seeing that, I was like, oh, no.
0: Yeah, we got to get that on the line. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So there's a new generation of, I guess, like fashion newcomers who have no idea that some of these looks that they're seeing, like on the red carpet, even in movies and television at times, like these are redone like <laughs> these are mm-hmm. that are redone why is the study of fashion history so important to you i would love to hear it in your words because you know everybody kind of has their own ideas some people don't think it's important but i personally think it's important and i would love to hear from you why you think it's important
1: uh, my
0: favorite topic
1: <laughs> it is so important like when people say history repeats itself like it is cliche but it's for a reason like it literally repeats itself like there is a cycle fashion is cyclical um trends happen for a reason They. Start underground, and then they gain some traction. They reach their peak, and then they go down in a a decline. And then the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. Um, And each generation is inspired by the previous generation. And each generation, you could say, is like thirty years separated. So. like twenty to thirty years, and like even with technology now, we kind of expedite um, our sources of inspiration because we have such access to it. Um, it's not as old to us, mm-hmm. um, that, and I think that's why um, the '90s and early 2000s revivals stuck around for so long too. Because like this trend, I noticed it in like 2018. And we're still here, like it's in full swing. Like it's really in full Um, swing. And a lot of the trends from the '70s actually came from a lot. A lot of the trends from the early 2000s came from the '70s.
0: the pants, low rise pants, um and, I never like, I, say, I, I never thought we would see low rise pants again. And I kind of didn't want to see like they just don't work for me, but on the <sighs> girls, they work for they work for it. Like <laughs> but we yes, I'll leave that to them. Right. And then <laughs> that's
1: something too, a lot of people don't realize. Like you don't have to participate participate in every um, trend. Wear what works for you. That I mean, style. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like with each trend, um, there's always um an adaptment to what was um, to what previously inspired them. Like as as I was saying, in the seventies they were more high waste but the flip for the early two thousands was low waste and it was sexier too. Um midriffs were a thing like everyone was showing that v cut like yes (laughs) but then when you think about the 70s especially the late 70s um that whole sexual revival era when um birth control came into play um and it was like right before the AIDS epidemic so studio 54 everyone was walling out just
0: yeah when I, but, I did, like Pam Greer with her like crop top and she tied it and she's definitely got the cleavage and she's got on mm-hmm. the, for sure yeah yes. Shaka Khan she yes. was
1: good for just like a little bikini top and some bowels
0: pretty bad you
1: both of them yes, exactly <laughs> like I'm not mad at it at all <laughs> <laughs> right. but yeah fashion is cyclical um when you look like you just have to look like observation look at magazines um when i interned at the met in the Costume institute library one of my big projects was um cataloging and processing a collection of magazines from Richard Martin, who was a curator at the Costume Institute, um, a very uh, pivotal curator as well. Like he really brought fashion history to the forefront um, as as far as academia, um, because he's also noted, uh, I know that they have like a symposium at NYU um, in his name uh, for the Costume Studies program. So he's like, that guy yeah. um, what well, was in his co- his magazine collection insane like i've touched Vogue issues from the early 1900s like 1910 wow yeah so like just seeing And not even just Vogue, but also Harper's Bazaar too. So they were competitors, but they kind of filled certain spaces for each other. So it's just also seeing that as well. Um, And then going with uh, the magazines, um, seeing the difference in the texture of paper throughout the decades, like, oh, the 1940s, this paper is basically like chipping, but that's because they had to ration because of the war.
0: Huh. what's your take on stylists shopping the archives i i have a strong opinion about it but i would love to know um what your opinion is because i mean we you know i think the most popular and most recent um faux pas was kim kardashian and marilyn monroe's dress which i just cringed like i literally cringed um i cringe that they even loaned it out like if it doesn't fit mm-hmm. it doesn't fit like and we can't know like you've just you've destroyed a garment so i would love to get your feedback on that
1: oh man ooh, ooh, ooh. it just weighs on my spirit so heavy because like why are you like this like why can <laughs> why can't we cherish history yeah, and why can't we look at fashion um, as objects
0: worth preserving? Um, and also, be creative enough to say, like, I like this, but let me let me do my own take on it. Like, let me hire somebody mm-hmm. to create something that's that's inspired by that. Sorry,
1: yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's what I would love. Um, but for certain moments and for certain people. I like I get it. Um, but when people want to wear archive pieces um to dinners, first of all, no, absolutely no. You do not want food like I do not even eat or drink near garments when I'm handling them. Yeah. So for you to sit down, one, so what people don't realize is um archive pieces are sample pieces therefore they come in one size and they were made to fit a model um and a model to walk up and down the runway that's it mm-hmm. like it's it's not a practical piece it's not a functional piece for the most part so um to just do like everyday ordinary things in them as you would um of dress you buy off the rack is not the same. The care and the handling is not the same because um, say this piece was handmade um, and all of the it's handmade, hand embroidered. All the beads are from source source from India. Um, so not only that, so we have price and then we also have time time to get the beads from India to where they need to go, like say New York. <clears throat> and then the time it takes the labor, like the labor is, people don't consider the labor that goes into it, the labor or the logistics. Um, and you would think like, okay, uh, we're, pulling an archi- we're pulling an archive piece from the Tom Brown archive. They have designers. These designers are busy. Like, do I you know like how it. many Do you know how many shows we have a year? and then not only the shows, but just like special things that we do, custom pieces that we do for award show season or anything. we have clients that we um, make pieces for as well. so like people aren't just sitting around waiting to um, remake certain pieces, and there's a lot of money that goes into it. Um, yeah so it's it's just really annoying because like yes you want to be able to access it but it's just like is the reason really worth the damage that can um incur from it
0: right right is it worth you completely ruining a gown just to say that you wore it right and like as much as people
1: don't like to admit
0: but like we have to consider
1: how important is this person what is this look going to do for us like if it's maybe like a with celebrity and it's at um an event that isn't highly publicized or televised like What's i just don't really... yeah mhm um just even for the time in the transportation, um, because one, I have to pack in my priorities way differently than I would just commercial piece like Mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it and don't even get me started if you want um, shoes and accessories as well that came complete because a lot of times also what people don't consider is like we don't always
0: have the full complete archive so some things just aren't available wow I'm glad we're on the same page though with that because I just, mm-hmm. it, yes. it's just it's disrespectful to a certain extent like it it really just it damages history like now you know that piece has sweat on it and makeup
1: and you know what
0: I mean yes it, and not- those and
1: like as a lot of um, our private pieces you can't just take them to the dry cleaner the dry cleaner cannot handle that so like i have to use my own methods in order to clean it before pres- um preserving it um yeah like really huge um uh, and like there are certain dry cleaners that can do it but the amount of money that it costs is just like insane and there's still um the risk of damage um due to the chemicals uh-huh. um yeah but just from the chemicals alone
0: in the dry cleaning process yeah and costuming we like there's not a lot of stuff well we do send out for dry cleaning but we have to be very specific because things will come back it will uh, be so damaged and it's just like well we cannot buy another one of these so now what do we do like we have to keep the continuity so yeah dry cleaning dry cleaning is good you know what I mean for every day but when we talk about costuming and we really talk about like fashion archive pieces like yeah, it's it's kind of a no no. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, like I really don't utilize dry cleaners for the most part. Like, um, like our our shirts, like our white Oxford shirts, absolutely, I'll send them to the dry cleaners. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but yeah. those are gonna come back pristine and better than any iron or steamer could ever (laughs) exactly and they're gonna get a real white get that
1: neckline and (laughs) the armpits
0: but yeah other than that I'm very very selective getting into details and textures and different fabrics I totally agree with you I totally yeah um do you have a favorite do you have a favorite piece from your personal archive Hmm. well
1: I have I've come up on a lot of Tom Brown now Um, Mm -hmm. so my Tom Brown collection is amazing but I will say I have a pair of tabby boots Um, I got them on sale when I was in Miami Um, we just became really cool with um, the sales associate I wish I could remember it's even though they really had sales at my like that. So um, I ended up getting, um, they're recycled, I believe, like they're made out of re- recycled paper or cardboard or something like that. The heel is um, made out of cardboard. Um, and I think that they, uh, they did some finishing, you know, to like make it hard and everything like that, but they're really cool. And I've never seen anybody with them. Um, I have this Rick Owens dress from Spring Summer '15. Um, that was like, yeah, I got that for the low. to um, shout out to Tokyo Seven. Yes, <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, that piece was just like wow. Because um, I used to be a really big thrifter. I don't come from money, so I was never being retail for like design pieces like that. So it's just like. It really is a testament to my eyes, I dress, because um, all it takes is patience sometimes. Like, when I shop, I will go through the entirety of the store before
0: I leave. I love it. I love it. That's one of the things I love about Black people, period, is that it doesn't matter. We can get it from the swap meet. We can get it from sex, We can get it from wherever. Like, we can get it straight off the floor. But whatever we do with it's going to pop. Like We can do high and low and I didn't grow up with money or privilege either and so you know there was a time where I was just coming into like being able to afford labels and still like you said I'm not paying full price for it like your girl is looking for all the deals I'm looking for all the connects and it's not to say that I don't ever want to spend full price on an item I definitely have there's some things that you mm-hmm. do, not do without but when you don't have to you don't have to <laughs> exactly
1: and like Just being, I've been on many different sides of the industry. Um, I've worked in wholesale gun operations, and stuff like that on um, that level. And just knowing how much it costs to make a piece versus what they charge you, um, you better believe I'm gonna get it for as low as I can because even at the discount, I'm still paying way more than what is actually um, worth.
0: I hate to hear that I mean I'm glad that you said that because we all need to know that but why is it so like up price like what is that about yeah (laughs) and it's
1: just like um the more luxury you shop the higher their markup is so like a men level brand might take might make a 70% markup but um a luxury brand could easily do
0: 90 bucks. Okay. okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. But yeah, I'm like,
1: granted, you know, there's certain craftsmanship that goes into it, sure. But these days, not so much, um, especially because everything is outsourced and it touches so many different hands. And everyone like, cheaper labor is prioritized over anything so we get that yeah. in
0: television and film costumes too like I don't know if you saw the twitter buzz about like the waiting to exhale scene where like Loretta Devine she had on both earrings when she was sitting on the couch she got up she's yelling at the man at um god I can't remember who her like ex-lover was waiting to exhale I can't remember his name um but she's yelling at him and she's missing an earring and I'm like mm-hmm. oh, like that happens like it happens because in the 90s that was a low that was considered a low budget movie and they were probably paying the costumers like 18 19 dollars an hour to be on set and they probably weren't the most experienced costumer so that's gonna happen like we're gonna be missing the earring sometimes but it was still a good movie and were you entertained <laughs> exactly exactly Speaking of movies, are there any like movies or television shows current or past that you like fall in love with the costumes like you only like you watch it and you're like yes it's because of the costumes?
1: Um, <clears throat> I'll definitely say as a kid like Clueless was everything to me like first uh, how hard Stacey Dash was pulling but my girl and her microgrades like she was just given everything and she kept the hat. so she mm-hmm. knew how to complete a look yeah and it was just like it was just like wow this is how rich kids rich teenagers dress uh-huh. mhm uh-huh. and they drive cars like this whole lifestyle just could not happen. like yeah it didn't seem real to me it seemed like fantasy um but coolest was definitely like that movie, like, damn. Yeah. And, you know, just like a little cute two-piece outfit, like just matching. And then having the bags and the shoes match each other to bring out the whole look. Uh, playing with your hairstyles to match your outfit. Um, I think that is a very underrated um, little factor that people don't consider uh, with dressing and styling like
0: how your hair complements the outfit as well it starts with hair for me like i i always tell people this like if my hair isn't done i really don't see it one of one of the reasons why i actually went bald um in november um last november because i was tired of creating looks around my hair and so i was like just get rid of it like i just want to see my head and then i could just put on whatever i want to put on and just rock it but, yeah, like, it starts with the hair for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, Stacey Dash, where she is today and where she was then is, like, not in that. But she definitely was. I wish she knew that. Like, I wish she knew that for us, like, as Black girls, she was our representation.
1: Yes, she was very much so an in-girl for us. Um,
0: definitely.
1: Yeah, I wish she knew that. Another movie I would say that I love the cast. And that the costume in that movie is so good that I did not know that was Halle Berry until I was like a teenager. For and real? I, I watched that movie religiously as a kid. I, I really didn't know that was that the whole time.
0: I love
1: it. RP Yes.
0: Yes. That's Ruth yes. Carter. Um, the same designer from Black Panther. She did bats. <sighs> And what oh, I love I about that movie everything. is it was so much collaboration between hair, makeup, and wardrobe. Exactly. Oh Ooh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So when it comes to oh, books. One uh-huh. more. Sorry. Yeah. Oh,
1: paid in full. Paid in full. Love the costume. Never seen Paid in full.
0: full. <sighs> no, please don't judge me. Please don't
1: judge me. (laughs) For the culture, you gotta watch it for the
0: culture. Okay, have to watch it for the culture.
1: Um, just the story and the time. Like, if you love New York, um, if you love hip hop, if Mm. you love like just that whole street culture, um, it's such a great visual representation of that time. Honestly, um, there's a lot of Dapper Dan in it. Um, (gasps) You see, yeah, you see Mitch. Um he's like the money guy and that was definitely a reflection of the time like in the 80s and 90s if you had if you were selling drugs and you were like really making money and had a name for yourself you had to go to Dapper Dan. like you had to sure. like you were not official if you didn't have a Dep-A-D-A-N piece. like you just was not get money like that and then and the
0: car i'm the glad way. he's getting his just due now hmm so glad but I will definitely be watching Paid in Full now that you said that. And now that you said it, it's definitely a movie where I can focus on the costumes. I'm I'm, I'm trying. Yes.
1: To <laughs> I feel like um, it really tells this. They tell this story with the costume alone too. Um, as far as like the protagonist and his come up, like he would just wear um, the av- just what an average teenager would wear who didn't come from money. Um, and once he starts getting a little bit more money he's still humble but he's
0: elevating his style I love it I love to see character elevation we did I just wrapped season two of BMF and without telling too much this is when Meech goes in like this is when Meech and Terry like become a big deal like they're no longer like you know the low key drug dealers. Like they're mm-hmm. coming with their money. And so it was so fun to shop and to work with Kia Bounds on that because when I tell you we were in labels, Yuri, I don't know if you know um Yuri, but I do, that's my I girl. Said, a go-to resource. That girl can find anything. I was like, Yes, she can. 80s MCM. Like I need like and she was just like, okay, I got it. Like I'll have it for you in a week. And I was like, where are you finding this stuff? But yeah, like I that's love her that. bread and butter. I love to see career elevation, and she definitely helped me with that. <laughs> Amazing small world. Yes, I love it. I love how things uh-huh. have all the dots connect. <laughs> yes. So, yes. speaking of um fashion history books, like what are some of the books that you would recommend um to anybody who wants to learn more about just fashion history, um, fashion archiving?
1: Hmm. Fashion history. Well, one, I always tell people to start with biographies, um, and memoirs. Read biographies and memoirs. Um, as black creatives, I would one hundred percent suggest um the chiffon trenches by Andre Leon Talley. Um, it's a good introduction into like just how the fashion industry operates and like how important connections are and how far they get you, but also like the battle between like remaining yourself and adapting and assimilating um, all the things, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's a very insightful book. Um, And like, there's a lot that didn't resonate with me, but it just gave me more insight into who he was as a person. For sure. um, and how he got to where he was like it wasn't by happenstance like mm-hmm. he really put in the work and I think people
0: forget that like
1: once they see someone at
0: the top they don't realize what it took for them to get there and what I love about his story is it is similar to my story in that I'm a Southern black girl. Like I grew up in Alabama, he grew up in North, in Durham, North Carolina. And a lot of times that's not the world around us. Like New York is mm-hmm. you know, the streets, but you, when you hit the pavement, you see fashion, like it's all around you and it's not, we have to find it in other places. So when he talked about like his foundation of style and fashion, being in church, like that's me, like, I learned no. a lot about fashion from my grandmother, and, like, how to properly, like, do undergarments, and what goes under what to make it smooth, and, you know, what bra should be worn with what, like, I learned a lot of that, and so, yeah, I, I would agree with you that that's a really, really good book, no matter where you're from, what region of the world you're from, I do think that that's a really good book.
1: Yeah, um, it just really, it's inspiring as well, uh, and in my conversation with Deborah, she revealed, like, he really did like a lot of quiet helping. Like he would just do stuff for people and not say anything. Like you wouldn't even know that if he did it until like later on. And that was just like wow like as much as like he might have gotten judged for not being i guess like um as outward as an advocate, um he really did the work behind the scenes. Um it's just like maybe if he publicized it a little bit more um people's perspective of him might have changed Mm -hmm. but maybe it's not so bad that people thought that of him because
0: it's a gotcha like actually i really do work like yeah. yeah yeah and to me it's like those who know know i actually approach social media from that from that perspective too it's like if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. I'm not really looking to put- mm-hmm. I actually like that. Like, we need a little bit of privacy and discretion these days. Everybody doesn't want to, like, hey, I put so-and-so on, or I gave so-and-so this opportunity at both. Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> and it comes off disingenuous a lot of the time, too, like why do you have to make an announcement every time you help somebody like did you do it out
0: of the kindness of your
1: heart or did you do it because it will make you look better
0: exactly exactly and when you just genuinely want to see people win and you want to see other people like you like in the room to me that's that's the point like as long as it's done I don't need to know about it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah well that's a good book any other books I don't
1: know have behind me oh i just finished reading um this book model uh, the other women Ooh, it really takes you through the history of the fashion modeling industry i am just like blown away um, models go through a lot like they really go through a lot just to break into the industry um and those are just the models that you see make it the ones that don't um a lot of times they didn't make it for reasons that are just like hard to fathom because since you're a face and you have to sell your your face and your body basically um to be used for advertising and things like that people don't really uh humanize them all the time and men have like really taken advantage in the past um as agents um and bookers and managers and things like that like it really um opens your eyes um at the age of models um the rights that they have like as far as labor um yeah it the fashion modeling industry used to be uh the wild wild west um and not just in america but we're talking about milan and paris um milan actually
0: has like the worst reputation out of all the fashion cities to be honest and is it men and women or is it just mostly like women who are seeing these um this like horrendous activity
1: um the lens was really on women but men
0: absolutely experienced
1: but just like um the ratio of women to men in the modeling industry, there's just way more women. So they're statistically going to experience more um harm. Yeah,
0: that sucks because that, that's how we see the clothes. You know what I mean? They yes. are the body that that carries the garment. So that really that really that really sucks. But that is a good book and I definitely will pick it up. I love a coffee table book. and <laughs> <I'm laughs> that's a pretty one that covers yeah. gorgeous.
1: Yeah, um, it's a really good read. It's insightful. Michael Gross, um, he used to do like a lot of commentary on like just pop culture things on like VH1 back in the day. But he wrote for Vanity Fair for a long time. I'm pretty sure like New York Times. Um, He's like a very renowned
0: writer um, as far as like fashion, celebrities. I love it. I love it. Well, this time has been absolutely beautiful. I, like I said, I followed you for a while now and I'm just like, her content is so good. And I just knew, I was like, I got to talk to her and pick her brain because you're an expert at what you do. And I see how you're in you're educating you know what I mean I'm a really big Mm -hmm. fan of like educating the masses and as you matriculate Mm -hmm. in your career you're sharing the information that you have so that we all are just more aware you know what I mean of our culture of the business you know what I mean of archiving Mm pieces you shine light on that I'm carrying to the wardrobe department and I'm like (laughs) y'all no more plastic you know what I mean so I just appreciate what you bring to the table i appreciate the path that you've charted for yourself and i just really really pray that it continues for you and i just i wish you nothing but success no. yeah like i
1: would love to go deeper and just like help y'all even more because there is so much to archiving so much
0: yeah yes thank you so much tiani god bless you girl it's it's up for me <laughs> and stuck. okay Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much again for tuning in to Costumes and Coffee. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next one. Peace.